Hey there, and welcome. I'm Kinsey Dzinski, host of the Brave Marriage Podcast, a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. Today, we're talking about that final piece of the mission of Brave Marriage, but before we do, I need to give a shout out to my husband, Evan, first for voluntarily editing each and every episode so that I can focus solely on sharing with you guys, and second for being the reason that living mutually empowered, purposeful lives means so much to me. So in episode two, we talked about growing as individuals, and in episode three, we talked about doing marriage with intention. In today's episode, we're talking about living mutually empowered, purposeful lives. And the best way I know to begin this conversation is to take a look at the relationship within the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in a perfect and loving relationship. So I'm absolutely convinced that this is the very best model we have of what our marriages are supposed to be like. See, marriage is the closest, most intimate relationship we'll experience this side of heaven. So rather than looking to a human model of relating, why not look to God himself? After all, in him we find the ability and capacity to celebrate our distinctness while existing as one in marriage, which together form what Drs. Jack and Judith Balswick refer to as differentiated unity. This two-in-one reality that we have in marriage, through which we make meaning and find yet another dimension of purpose in our lives. So as we talk about living mutually empowered, purposeful lives, I want to break down what this looks like and how to do it to arrive at differentiated unity. First, living mutually empowered, purposeful lives looks like celebrating our individuality. And not just ours, but also our spouses. Early on in our marriage, I was surprised to find that there was an equally valid way of doing things that wasn't the way I did things. And for Evan, the surprise was discovering an equally valid way of thinking and reasoning that wasn't the way he thought and reasoned. By the way, I asked his consent to share this first. See, we're both type A's and INTJ's, but I'm an Enneagram 1 and he's a 3, if that means anything to you. So I tend to be more thorough, thoughtful, and detail-oriented and Evan tends to be more strategic, efficient, and decisive. And now, holy cow, I so appreciate this about him, but it really did take a few years to not just appreciate our differences, but to truly accept each other's help and influence and trust each other with certain things that we were used to doing all on our own. I was just listening to a podcast yesterday where a gentleman had written a book on communication. He'd interviewed top leaders and communication experts, compiled his research, and his book, you guys, included over 30 strategies for better communication. How in the world can that possibly be? Well, as humans, we're limited by our personalities and the way we think and reason, which is actually a gift to us because if we were all the same or had everything we needed within ourselves, what would be the point of relationship, right? And if we all reflected the exact same qualities of God, we wouldn't be an accurate reflection of who he is because he's a God of both distinctness and unity. What this means is that we're free to celebrate our individuality in marriage rather than being fearful or protective of it. If you're someone who leans toward being fearful of your individuality, 
I'd encourage you to go back and listen to episode two, where we talk about growing as individuals. Because here's the thing. When we hold back or give up our individuality, we actually reinforce a really unhealthy pattern that will end up resenting if we give it enough time and find difficult to undo later on. Additionally, the marriage God intended us to have would be missing one crucial element, us. Now, if you're someone who leans toward being protective of your individuality, my encouragement to you is to make space. Make space for your spouse in your own heart and mind to be who they are without it threatening your sense of self. Again, this goes back to everything we talked about in episode two. Because when we fight to hold on to ourselves and neglect to make space for the other, we eventually end up with one of two things, a roommate or no marriage at all. And paradoxically, we miss the most significant opportunity we'll ever have for personal growth, which is an intimate relationship with our spouse. Now, if you're in your first few years of marriage, this is your growing edge. We all have to find a healthy balance of holding on to ourselves while making room for the other so that we can become one the way God intended. And friends, it all goes back to differentiation. So I'm curious, what individual differences do you and your spouse struggle to see the good in? What do you have a hard time trusting each other with at this point? How would you like to see your spouse celebrate and love you for who you are? And with that in mind, how do you think your spouse would like to be seen, acknowledged, and celebrated? Okay, here's the last thing I'll say about celebrating our individuality. Who you are is exactly what your marriage needs. And who you're becoming is to the benefit of your relationship, not to the detriment of it. Once we understand this and learn to celebrate our individuality in the same way God celebrates individuality, we can then learn to love in a way that empowers each other, which is the very definition of sacrificial love. Now, let me paint two very different yet similar pictures for you of marriages that display mutual empowerment. The first takes a look at a marriage within pop culture. I distinctly remember an interview that Oprah did with an actress in the early 2000s. This actress was married and Oprah asked, How do you guys do it? You've been together for years. You both have amazingly successful careers and yet your relationship seems so strong. And the actress responded by saying something like, You know, we've got each other's backs. He encourages me to go out into the world and do what I feel called to do. And I do the same for him. Sure, we have to take turns at times, but it challenges us and it's good for us and ultimately makes us better humans. Now, the second picture I want to paint takes a look at a marriage within Christian culture. So I had a pastor growing up who started out as my youth pastor in sixth grade. And during my senior year of high school, he and his wife announced that they were moving. And after being at our church for seven years, everybody was really sad about it. Especially me, because they had been so formative in my life. But they were moving to a different state for an opportunity that she had to advance her career. She would be working with a prominent heart surgeon and with her ideal patients. 
And I was so struck by her husband's willingness to lead their marriage with a servant heart. He'd been doing something he loved for seven years, so to see him be willing to let that go so that his wife could do something she loved, I can't tell you how significant that was to me because, honestly, I'd never seen that lived out before in Christian marriages around me. I've heard Pete Scazzaro, author of The Emotionally Healthy Leader, put it this way, Churches, businesses, and organizations move on without us. Our marriages don't. So in the first example, you have a couple in a cultural context marked by selfishness and irresponsibility, which is ultimately damaging to a relationship, right? So what did this couple do differently? Mutual empowerment. And in the second example, you have a couple in a cultural context marked by selflessness and over-responsibility, which is ultimately damaging to the individuals inside a relationship. So what did this couple do differently? Mutual empowerment. I really want to make this distinction here between selfish, selfless, and unselfish love, which is language used by doctors Jack and Judith Balswick. When we're selfish, we operate out of fear of losing ourselves. So we inflate our own egos, which creates distance in our marriage. When we're selfless, we operate out of fear of losing our spouse. So we inflate our partner's ego, which is equally damaging to the both of us, just in different ways. But when we're unselfish, we don't fear losing ourselves or our spouse because our identity and therefore emotional stability is rooted in Christ which then frees us up to empower each other and encourage each other's growth. And here's the thing. We may very well have power, position, or privilege by worldly standards, but sacrificial love that leads to empowerment says, first of all, I don't find my identity in my power, privilege, or position, but I'm choosing to use whatever of it I do have, not for my own sake, but for the sake of someone else and in this case, our spouses. Now, isn't this exactly what Jesus did for us? I promise you, he didn't lay down his life in an attempt to earn our love or to meet an ego need to feel worthwhile. He absolutely knew who he was and the power he held. But out of love, chose to sacrifice himself so that through him, we could live into the fullness of everything we're talking about today. The result of living mutually empowered lives, then, is our own brand of differentiated unity in marriage. As the Balswicks have written, the extent to which a couple keeps their individual identity and their couple identity strong in Christ will determine how they reap the rewards of differentiated unity. I could give you a number of stories of how this has impacted my own marriage since learning about it when we got engaged. But the one that's most poignant to me happened this year, actually. A college student was recently talking to my husband, and he asked, what's one of the best things you've experienced in marriage? And Evan responded, when Kinsey says to me, I couldn't have done this without you. And this has nothing to do with my capabilities and everything to do with being better as a team. So through marriage, We have the distinct privilege of becoming more of who we were created to be, not less, with each other. Of celebrating each other and working as one to glorify God, 
both by being who we are in relationship and through living into our God-given purposes. And when we do this, we demonstrate differentiated unity in the same way God demonstrates this within himself. Thus, as I've heard Pete Scazzaro say, our marriages make something invisible visible to the world. And you guys, what's so exciting to me about this is that our marriages are actually a microcosm of the church. So if we can get and work toward differentiated unity for a God-sized purpose in our marriage, then we can certainly get how the body of Christ is supposed to work together and how it only functions properly when each one of us shows up because we know our differences are needed and not to show each other the right way to do things but to mutually empower each other in God's overarching purpose and in the distinct plans he has for each of us. All right, friends, this is where I'll leave you today. Your action step is to have a deep conversation with your spouse about differentiated unity, your individual purposes, and your purpose together in marriage. And to facilitate that discussion, you can download a free PDF of questions by visiting bravemarriage.com purpose. By doing that, you'll receive that free PDF, plus get signed up for my monthly newsletter. Again, that's bravemarriage.com purpose. And if this episode has been meaningful to you and you have someone in mind who would enjoy it, I'd be honored if you'd take the time to share this episode with that particular person. All you have to do if you're listening through your iPhone on this episode is click the three little dots at the bottom of your screen, which will pull up a list to then click share episode to send it via text or email. And my prayer for our marriages is that we'd begin to understand God's love in such a way that it would change our marriages from the inside out and shift our plans to align with his purpose. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Love is not a battle Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile